It is farming, not hunting, right? Hunters go out there with their bow and arrow and they hope they get lucky and come across a deer or an elephant or a squirrel. The farmer is out there in his field. He's picking the weeds. He's tending the, the vines. And I'm, I'm banking on the harvest is going to come. And I'm, I know I'm going to feed my family because I'm a farmer. You're listening to Be That Lawyer, life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Each episode, your host, author, and lawyer coach, Steve Fretzen, will take a deeper dive, helping you grow your law practice in less time with greater results. Now, here's your host, Steve Fretzen. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Be That Lawyer. I am Steve Fretzen. So happy that you're with us today. Um, as you guys all know, this is a show to help you, the lawyer, figure out all the ins and outs of being successful in your career and actually enjoying yourself, actually having some private, you know, um, family time, having, you know, kind of that balance they say you can't have. We, 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 we differ. We, we want you to have that balance. Doesn't mean you can't work hard or shouldn't work hard, but uh, I think we all need to take vacations and we all need to, you know, have the moment of, of relaxation and, and breathing and all that. So, if you guys are hearing about Fretzen for the first time, uh, what I do is I work with attorneys every single day to help them learn all the stuff they never learned in law school. And you know what I'm talking about, business development, marketing, management, really with the focus of growth. And uh, we do this in two ways. In one way, we take people, identify that their gaps exist in, in how they're developing business day after day and work with them in a very structured program involving classes and one-on-ones to basically help an attorney internalize how to do business development with method and process and planning and structure versus the old adage of just winging it. And the other thing we do is we currently run five Rainmaker Roundtable programs. These are for already high-functioning attorneys that are crushing it, but they want to get into a confidential environment with other successful lawyers to talk shop. And I absolutely love facilitating those groups. If any of those sound interesting to you, please don't hesitate to email me at steve at fretson.com. And we can have that conversation and take 30 minutes to get to know each other. Always happy to do that. Well, on to the show, everybody. We've got a lot to cover. Eric is waiting in the wings, writing something down. What are you writing, Eric? Your email address. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. Well, you have my email address. We've been yeah, well, I, I want to I want to talk more uh, offline about the Rainmaker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, all right. So, so that worked very well. Uh, but uh, for everyone else other than Eric, yes, please reach out to me if you're already killing it as an attorney and you want to keep killing it. Love to have have that conversation. Eric, you are the man. You are the master of down in Miami. We're going to get into your background and everything about how, how to how to start a successful law firm and build it. And before we do that, though, we have a quote of the show, as we always do, and that is the buck stops here. And uh, before you tell me about that, I want to. Harry Truman was someone I did a speech on when I was in high school, and he said, I'd rather build a house than break a window. There's another Harry Truman quote that most people don't know, and of course, he dropped the bomb, so I don't know if that uh, maybe broke a few windows. So I don't know how that, how that fits into his famous quote, but yours is the buck stops here. Tell me why that was your quote of the show. Well, for one thing, it's written on a plaque behind my desk, which was a gift from my father-in-law, but... I think it's an important management philosophy that I will never throw anyone under the bus. So I'm very much about delegating. And I always tell people, you can always delegate a task, but you can ne never delegate responsibility. 
So an easy example in my current life is let's say a client is upset about something and let's, let's just tell a story where maybe my associate really messed something up. I will never blame the associate. I will never make it their fault. It was my fault. And maybe, and, and by the way, it was, it was a failure of leadership, a failure of management. Maybe it was a failure of recruiting and training. And so I always take full responsibility. Now I'll turn the other direction when I'm done speaking to the client and I'll have a separate conversation with the associate. And, you know, most of the time, the first conversation is what can we learn? What can we make sure that this never happens again? And then if it's a similar conversation we've had in the past, then maybe it goes a different direction. But no, the buck stops here. And I know my partner, Oscar, believes the same thing. We're, we're very proud of what we built. And mostly that has relied on building a team. And I think part of being a, a good leader is always to take responsibility. Yeah. And the other saying around that is, you know, when you're pointing the finger at someone else, there's at least three pointing back at you. And so people are now doing that with their hand to see if I'm right. I am. So that's another one we can share. But I think, I think that's a really important part of, of just being in business. And, and, and it's easy to make excuses. And I had this come up and that come up and this and that and the other. And I think people are just tired of it. So you know, when someone takes ownership of a problem and takes ownership of, of something, I think people respect that. It's not, you know, they're not going to you know, be maybe angry as long or be resentful. And even for practitioners, I, I, have a, I, have a, I had a situation once where I, back when I was practicing law, where I completely messed something up and I was going to court the next day and I was pretty sure the judge was going to either rip my head off or worse. And so what did I do? I immediately took full responsibility and the judge said, oh, that's it. Okay, fine. On to the next business. And, you know, I lost so much sleep the night before, but <laughs> it, take responsibility. I think the judge respected it. And again, I, I maybe I, I was making a mountain out of a molehill. Oh, there you go. There you go. Well, listen, Eric Gros-Dubois is the founder of EPGD Business Law. Uh, he's our guest today, uh, really talking about um, how to build a law practice. I think, you know, uh, did you start as a solo, by the way? Yes. Okay. Okay. So we're, you know, there are a lot of solos that like this show and listen to this show. And I think many of them are interested in what's the, what's the path and what's the progress. But before we go there, talk about your background, you know, working into getting into your solo. Is that something that happened overnight or is that something you worked in, 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 in a law firm for a while before you, you decided that it was, it was going to be your own show? Sure. So I was very fortunate in my first job. I had a very generous boss who was uh, very nurturing and really took me under his wing. And he's still a friend and a mentor. And I made the decision of moving on to greener pastures, as they say. And his famous last words to me were, well, Eric, don't forget, better the devil you know. And I said, Jeff, what do you mean? He goes, you'll figure it out. <laughs> and better the devil you know than the devil you don't. So right work environment was, let's just say, very challenging to a point where I actively started looking to move on in short order. And I'll never forget, I was with a recruiter. Now, this is, for those of you who've been practicing long enough, this was on the tail end of the Great Recession. And the recruiter said to me, well, you should be lucky you have a job. And no, I can't get you anything better. And you should learn how to suck it up. Well, my professional career goals were not to learn how to suck it up. I, I didn't think that was a nice way to live my life. So I had a, another friend who had his own firm already, and he was uh, generous enough to give me the push. He's, he said, Eric, he said, Eric, I'll rent you a desk in my office. I'll teach you what I know. And, you know, the, I guess that's how it got started. So yeah. 
the process from the decision make moment to opening the doors was about three months. Um, it was three months from when I had the, the the light bulb go off that said, "Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to open my own firm." And then the three months of and and truthfully, I was just telling someone this. It was three months of procrastination. It was three months of dragging my feet. Three months of making excuses. Three months of I guess collecting a steady paycheck and at a job that I didn't like. Until I finally, you know, and then basically it was three months of lost time until I finally, you know, was out there on my own. No one was going to make it, uh, uh, you know, I was the only one I could count on. Yeah. So that's how it started. And did you have, just out of curiosity, did you have any sort of business development marketing background in, in jumping into your own gig or was that, it was that, that was just a whole new, that was a whole new thing for you? Whole new thing. And I'll tell you one of the greatest ironies in the world. One of the straws that broke the camel's back at the last job was he told me I had to start networking and I put back really hard. <laughs> and I was so angry and resentful that he was going to make me go network. And then once I went out on my own, I realized I was like, wait, that's all I have to do. <laughs> I did. That's so great. And you, have, you, have no, you have no work. Go out and do something. Go out and, right. and, and shake the bushes. Yeah, that's Wow, man, that's crazy. But that's, that's the thing about, you know, a lot of what I'm talking about with, you know, lawyers not learning, you know, business development and marketing in law school. And I get that. I mean, I think they're slowly turning the corner. And, you know, I know there's a, a group in Ohio State law that's, you know, using my book and they're, you know, their practice management classes that are starting to teach this kind of stuff. But, you know, they just want you to put your head down and work. And then, by the way, if you want to make equity or you want to do anything, you know, real in this in this place, you better go get some business. And all right, well, now what? Right. That's I hear that on a daily basis. And I'll say this, if you're trying to make partner or be invited into that club and somehow you've got to be a grinder and a rainmaker, right? And and you got to somehow figure out how to do both if you're trying to do it within an existing organization, which yeah. the alternative of which I took was to start my own, right? And so, right. you know, now here we are 10 years later. Yeah. And then, so let's talk about, you know, kind of year one. So now you're in your own gig you're out, you know, networking and, and what were some of the things that you found were, were like barriers to success and barriers to like bringing in business or dealing with work or whatever that, that first year? I think that most lawyers always have, like even today have a certain insecurity that they don't know enough law. Uh, and so, you know, back then I was a six year attorney and I had to somehow look people in the eye and act confident that I could solve their problems. So overcoming a lot of the insecurities and the imposter syndrome, I, I think that was very challenging. And, you know, I, I'll actually take it from an opposite perspective. I, I had seen other people start their own firms and it's something that a lot of them did, which I thought was a big mistake, was try to keep their expenses so low that they was like, oh, I'm not going to rent an office. I'll just work from home. And what I, what I, what my mindset was that if I'm at home in my workout clothes, I'm not going to be ready to go if somebody says, hey, you want to go with me to something right now? And so I can imagine, you know, my, my best friend calling me and saying, hey, we're going to a judicial reception. Do you want to come along? And I'm like, well, I just went for a jog. I haven't taken a shower yet. You know, maybe next time. And that could be a missed opportunity. So um, for me, I, I always thought it was really important to get out there. And, and, and so I was putting on a suit and tie even when I didn't have any clients. But I think what it represents is you, you know, you're going to feel the way and act the way your surroundings and the people that you hang out with, you know, are. So 
and I'm, I know my teenager's in the house, so I can't say this too loudly, but like his room's a pigsty. And sometimes I think he feels like a pigsty because his room's, and I said, if you clean your room, you might feel better about yourself, feel better about the day. And I think that's where you're getting is that you have to sort of almost, you know, kind of lie to yourself a little bit or believe it yourself until you actually have the success. You have to believe you're successful, even if you're not, and play that rollout. Fake it till you make it. I think that's the saying, right? And it's not being a fake. I think what it's doing is you're putting yourself in a position to be successful versus, you know, putting yourself in a position to, to, to drag things out and, and maybe, you know, not be successful. So that might've been some of what you were doing. I, I also believe very strongly in surrounding yourself with people that are better than you. And so that friend who gave me the offer to let me rent a desk in his office, he's older, he's wiser, he's smarter, he's handsomer, you know, <laughs> and, and he was willing to spend a few minutes with me passing on his wisdom. And, you know, I actually, I look forward to doing that in my career, in my life. And I, and I take a lot of pride actually in mentoring people. Well, Eric, if he's better looking than you, he must be a male model too. That's right. <laughs> all right. Still has all his hair though. So. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, there's that. And so it sounds like it sounds like you you really had to put yourself in a good position. The other thing I'd say is, and I'm telling all my clients to do this, even ones that that are in law firms, any ones that are that have been in business for five years, is think about all the things you do in a day and don't just write down I say make a list of everything because you're doing your bookkeeping. You're doing, you're keeping time, you're sending out invoices, you're doing all these things as a solo or even even things that you're doing at a law firm, and they're not at your pay grade and they're not the best uses of your time. When you're trying to make it rain, you've got, you know, you've got business development and marketing, and you've got the work that you bring in. And all the other stuff I find is generally a distraction. And it's not that we can't we, we sometimes we have to do it, but anything we can find to delegate. Did you find that as well over the first year or the second year, something like that? No, from the beginning. Uh, okay. A lot of people are shocked to hear that I hired my first employee after six weeks. Oh my God. Yeah, that's not not that's not usual thing to do. Part-time law student who wanted to come and was eager to help me write first drafts of whatever I was able to sign up. Okay. When we ran out of that work, she would say, hey, Eric, you got anything else for me? And I'd say, yeah, let's go do some marketing. And I would take her to networking events or she'd write blocks for my website. And so absolutely, I am. Yeah. In fact, I'll take it even a step further. I believe that the highest and best use of my time of anything that I do is marketing and sales. So in fact, if I am billing on a file, I think I've lost. I think it's a failure because the way I look at it is one new client could be $25,000. My hourly rate's $500 an hour. So if I if I'm sitting at my desk rather than being at the networking event where I could meet that new client, you know I'm missing out. That's I mean I don't know, and I don't know where I heard this statistic. It might have been on the show a few weeks ago, but someone mentioned, and I have to look this up. But like that, you're you're actually you can make two and a half times what you bill if you're marketing effectively. So you know I know that we you know five hundred dollars an hour is a great number, and and geez that's that's a lot of money an hour to make. But if you can, if you can be effective at bringing in the business and hand that work off and make a profit on it, is that a better use of your time? If if you're willing to to do that, if you're willing to you know to to bring other people in and and delegate it, I, I've always believed that. And so, for the first, I'd say six years, all of our business was word of mouth, which was just people we meet and and I, and I'll I'll say something about that for a second. I actually I'm, I'm all about systems and procedures. 
I actually created a networking system. And so it was basically for every 10 hours that I would go networking, when I say that, so let's say I spend one hour at a networking event and I meet four people, then I would spend four hours, one with each one at a coffee or a breakfast or a lunch or whenever. And so if I go to three networking events, that's three hours, and then meet four people and, and so on and so forth. And so my math was for every 10 collective hours of networking, I would get three leads, which would lead to three hours of consultations, and I'd sign up one new client. And so I, I just, I put that in my mind and I would do, I, I extrapolated from that. I did 30 hours a week of networking, nine or so hours a week of sales, and then sign up three new clients a week. Yeah. And then what happens to the work? That just, that's delegated or does that dominate? Yes. And I started getting work. I was like, all right, time to get an associate. Yep. Okay. Okay. Really makes sense. Really makes sense. Okay. Let's take a quick break to talk about how Money Penny is changing the game for lawyers who are losing business every day and may not even realize it. It's impossible to provide amazing client service when you have phone trees, voicemail jail, or untrained staff handling your phones. Every inbound call could be a new client to intake properly or an opportunity lost. With MoneyPenny, it's all but insured. The call will be handled exactly the way you want it every time. To take immediate action on this, write down this email and start your free trial. It's svj at moneypenny.com and just mention my name in the subject line. Lawyers, there's an easy way to boost your law practice. Partner with Get Visible, the digital marketing agency that makes you stand out. Meet Sarah, an awesome lawyer, but a terrible marketer. Get Visible helped her build a powerful website and boost her online visibility. Now she ranks high on Google, gains clients through ads and engaging content. Tired of feeling insignificant? Make it rain. Visit GetVisible.com and stand out. And that's a scary thing. I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, I'm going to hire a part-time, you know, law law clerk, or I'm going to hire a bookkeeper, but talk through that first associate hire, because I think that's, that's a, that's a very scary thing for solos to, to do. What, what kind of business do they have to have? What kind of mindset do they have to have? And, and what, what's the key to making that first, that first step? You know, you did it, you know, very quickly. Well, uh, so I did the first associate after about seven months. Okay. After about seven months was the actual time I actually had another, somebody else with a bar license. And, and by the way, it's absolutely correct because when you go from one, you, to two, that's a 100% increase. Like right now, we go from 21 to 22, that's a 5% increase and yeah. I don't notice it. Yeah. Uh, and so um, to go from basically 100% increase, my, seek, my cheat code, the secret, I found a part-time, well, someone willing to per- work part-time. And point of fact, it was a burned out big law attorney who had quit the practice of law and became a CrossFit instructor. And then through a friend of a friend, she's like, well, I'll be willing to work 10 hours a week. I miss the law. She's like, but I don't want to work in big law. I don't want to work in a firm. And I want to have the flexibility to go do my CrossFit whenever I want. And I said, that's great. So that way I wasn't going from one to two. I was going from one to 1.25, which- And, and you got free CrossFit training. She was the muscle for the office. <laughs> Don't mess with it. She eventually, so over time, it went from 10 hours a week to, hey, can you do 20 to 30 to eventually full time? And then it broke my heart. One day she told me that she was joining the FBI. Oh my God. He does bank robberies in LA. Wow. Okay. Well, that was an interesting twist I wasn't expecting. So then, so then, so, but, but, 
So if you had her at, at, at 10 or 20 or plus hours a week, and then were you in a position then to hire a full-time person within a, a period of time while she was still with you? Well, she was the first full-time person. Oh, so she went to full-time. Okay, yeah, then, I, then when she left, is that when you brought in number two? No, I'm pretty sure I was already at two or three by the time she left. Okay, okay. Yeah. And but all right, so 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 I think it sounds like one way to bring an associate on is to find someone that maybe is can be on contract or someone that can be part time and ease oh. into it versus the full blown hundred and fifty grand a year in benefits from day one. Absolutely, and and so she was hourly. She was willing to, at the time it was fifty dollars an hour, and I was billing her out at two hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Yeah. So as long as I could get clients to pay their bills, it was a great formula for me. Yeah. And then eventually what we did make it to salary and, and, you know, as a small firm, you don't have to offer many benefits. Although I, I did always believe that it was important to offer health insurance. Someday we eventually included a 401k, but, um, a firm that I used to work for, he would always look for new moms, new moms who had the little ones running around the house and wanted to still be in the law, but didn't want to, to commit to a full-time job. Yeah. So it sounds like there's there's some gaps in the in the marketplace where you can find a new mom, you can find a retired C, you can find someone that isn't, you know, just the stand, you know, the burned out, you know, the burned out big firm player, you know, whatever it might be, that might be a good starting point versus, you know, again, just like hiring a rec recruiter, paying a top fee and starting from, you know, from a, from a high salary and benefits from day one. Although that is still an option for people, you know, I... I will say I went a, a very different way. Now, nowadays we're doing recruiters with a fee. Yeah. But originally in the beginning, other than this one lawyer, what we were doing was hiring uh, law students while they were in law school, which essentially becomes an interview process, right? Because they're going to work for me and I'll get to know them. I'll get to know their character. And then the ones I really like, I'll offer them, hey, next year when you graduate, would you like to come work for me as a first year attorney? Now I'm a small firm. Obviously, you know we're we're a startup, and I'm going to offer you sixty, and but I already know they're good, so I'm not even taking a chance. I'm not like like when you hire, even when you use a recruiter, when you hire someone at one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year, it's still I think fifty fifty if it's going to work out. Yeah, uh, and I've had a fair share of one hundred and fifty thousand dollar a year associates who either didn't know how to bill or weren't the right fit for our type of practice, and you know I ended up losing you know, put it bluntly, a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, back in those days, that was my model. It was, it was uh, using law clerks at a very, I think $12 an hour back in the day, and then building them up, finding the good ones, and then growing my firm through smart first-year associates. And something I want to go back to that's so important that you mentioned, Eric, is the importance of learning networking, learning business development, and understanding that that's, that's what butters the bread. That's you know where the buck stops in a different way. And there are attorneys that are counting on the phone to ring, counting on their website to produce, counting on things. They're not out building relationships. They don't have a process or a method or model like you developed or that I'm providing on a daily basis. What I, I don't care if people work with me, read my stuff, use YouTube, like just, just be a sponge. In, is that is that a critical element for someone to be successful in their in their small practice? I think it comes down to the type of law. I know of some. I, I, there's a famous story down here in Miami of a guy who graduated from law school, might have been towards the bottom of his class, and his father said, "I'm going to give you a 
uh, the last thing I'm ever going to give you. So I'm giving you $40,000 and don't ever ask me for another dollar. And he just went out and he bought a billboard on the side of the major highway and he started a ticket, a traffic ticket law firm. And now he has 50 attorneys working for him and he lives in the nicest neighborhood in town. You know, so there's different paths. Yeah. Uh, for me, for my type of law, my best clients come from word of mouth just because, for example, a business owner, that's my type of client. Business owner is going to talk to his accountant and he's going to tell his accountant, oh, I've got this problem. And the accountant's going to say, oh, I know this guy error. But, you know, I met that accountant at a CPA dinner that I went to, uh, right. you know, two years ago. Yeah. And I could have been more specific or should have been more specific that for, you know, for B2B, for transactional and litigation where it involves companies, it involves, you know, uh, GCs and CEOs and folks like that. It is, it's mostly about relationships. I think there's definitely a marketing element to it, but there's, but you're not going to do a pay-per-click ad for meeting a GC with a major corporation. I think you're absolutely right. And and I think if I bought a billboard, it would be a complete waste of money. Right, um, right, right. And so I, I know that my my resources are much better put. Now, it is a, a big commitment because it takes time and it is a long-term commitment. So let me say something about that. It is farming, not hunting, right? Hunters go out there with their bow and arrow and they hope they get lucky and come across a deer or an elephant or a squirrel. The farmer is out there in his field. He's picking the weeds. He's tending the the vines. And I'm I'm banking on the harvest is going to come, and I I know I'm going to feed my family because I'm a farmer. Yeah, and I think I think what we want to look at doing is we want to you know develop relationships and we want to work you know work those networks. And if 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 I had my druthers about what a successful attorney should do, it would be that. And then on the other side of it is the marketing side, the social media, the newsletter, the things that are going to support the business development efforts. So that you're hitting people on both sides, and and then that that's when I tend to see most of the success for the lawyers I work with is when they're doing both. Maybe not equally well, but but they're they're definitely engaging in both. I think having a system like like I mentioned that you brought up is very important. So, for example, it is very important to me that I track every single referral I receive, right? Because the people who are sending me those referrals, those are the people I need to to give love to and to show my appreciation. For lawyers, we were allowed to pay referral fees to other lawyers. Um, for non-lawyers, I like to send them gifts and presents. I like to remember their birthdays. I like to check my 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 list and I, and I'll say, oh, I haven't talked to that guy in six months. Um, and so I actually have a day set aside once a quarter, where once a quarter I go through that list and reach out to all the people I haven't talked to that quarter. Yeah. Anything uh, anything you regret about going out on your own and building the business that you've had? I mean, anything that, that you know you would change? <laughs> All right. Normally, I, normally I ask open-ended questions, so that was kind of a doozy. But um, let me ask you this. Let me ask it a different way. What do you wish you knew then that you know now? So you can go back in time and change something. What would that be? I wish I implemented a CRM from day to one. Okay. So I didn't start actually. I, I just mentioned how important it is for me to keep track of my referrals. I didn't start until 2019. Mm. I lost 16, 17, 18... No, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18 are all lost. It's just data that's lost. So I wish I had started from day one, which by, by the way, it's a commitment. It requires data entry. It requires you 
you know, your friend texts you, hey, I've got a referral for you. Then you've got to go to your system and you've got to enter it and make sure that you're consistent and make sure you're diligent. But if I, if I had a time machine, I would go back and tell Eric and say, Eric, start from 2013. And even back then, if I just had a spreadsheet. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of spreadsheets for people that aren't interested in another software. You know, if it, like, for example, I use Lawmatics. So like I'm using the marketing of Lawmatics and I'm using the CRM of Lawmatics and it's helping me with follow-ups. And you got plenty of like contact before our, our meeting today, right? I'm not... Maybe four emails? Yeah. So four emails. Hey, it's a week to go. It's a day to go, whatever. And then there's going to be more that you're going to get when the show starts to go live. And now I'm letting you know, hey, we need to market this together and get a, our video out on social media and all that. So the follow-up that you're talking about that can exist with a CRM generally doesn't happen when it's just ad hoc. It's just it's very difficult to do it that way. I, I will say that that's my, my first thing. I wish I could go back in time. My second thing, I brought on a partner about halfway through. Truthfully, I wish I had done that earlier. Mm. And partner and I, it's very, very interesting. He's the guy that's in the firm. He's the guy managing all the cases. He's the guy managing the firm, and which frees me up completely to go out and continue to do the business the bell. And so we're like a yin and a yang. I, and I, I see a lot of solos where it's so hard to do both. Right. Like how, how are you supposed to be out at every networking event and preparing for the hearing tomorrow? You know, that that's really hard. Yeah. And I would caution people on partnerships with the saying, there's no ship that sinks quite like a partnership. Uh, only, only in, in joking about that, because really be careful, really be, um, you know, spend time with someone, maybe work with them for a few years, get to know their family, get to know their values, get to know how they're going to handle stress. Right. And if you find the right person, it could be a dream come true like Eric has. And, uh, and there's a lot of people where they don't take the time to do that. They jump in a knee-jerk thing because it looks op like an opportunity and then they end up regretting it. So that's all I'm going to say about that, Eric. But it sounds like you found a match made in heaven. Well, I'll say it's just like getting married. So it's usually not going to work out if you marry someone you just met. Yeah. You know, once in a while it works out, but it really is someone, you know, it, it's a relationship built on trust and respect and you got to pick your battles too. So yeah, right on, right on. Listen, I, uh, I want to wrap things up and again, just so appreciate you being on the show and sharing your wisdom. I know there's a lot of people listening that either want to go out on their own or have gone out on their own, just are curious about people that go out on their own and, and you're given a lot of insights. Your game changing book is how to make friends and influence people. I think we may have had that book mentioned on the show a few times. It's a very old yet important book in the you know marketing business development networking game so talk to me about that and why you submitted that as your as your kind of your your go-to so first of all it's an easy audio book so i actually did it on a road trip uh, okay we were on a road trip i was like hey let's listen to something why don't, why don't we listen to something good so and you're right it's an old book i can imagine like door-to-door -door salesman with like a briefcase you know and a hat but it all of the fundamental lessons it teaches are still true. And if you're trying to build a business by word of mouth, I don't think there's a better book that you could at least start with reading. I mean, there's only one that I've heard about that's better. It's called Legal Business Development Isn't Rocket Science, and that's available on Amazon. So that, I mean, that's the other than, than the one you mentioned, that's the only other one that I, that I know of that could possibly. Agreed. Agreed. And I've got <laughs> behind me on my mantle. Ah, there you go. There we go. Well, fantastic. And hey, just a shout out to our wonderful sponsors, Practice Panther, Legal Ease, and of course, Money Penny. 
Uh, love you guys. Appreciate you. And um, look, if you're looking to automate and get things rolling, and I know they're they're making some good offers on free trials and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, don't be shy about checking them out in the show notes and giving them a ring and saying, "Hey, Fretson sent me." Eric, thanks so much. People want to get in touch with you. They want to work for you. They want to network with you. They want to do business with you. Send work your way. How do they reach you? Email. It's the easiest. It's eric at epgdlaw.com. EPGD. That's a mouthful, but I like it. It works. It flows. Uh, good, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. I've got my usual page of notes. I've got some amazing quotes that I'm going to share You know, in, in, on social that you, that you threw out at me today. Fantastic, man. Just thank you. I appreciate it. No, I appreciate you. Thanks for the opportunity. This was a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And that's what this show is all about, everybody. Fun. If you're not having fun, what's it all about? Let's go. And again, you know, if this is, a, if this is an opportunity for you to learn something that's going to help you take things to the next level and really be that lawyer, that's really what I, why I hope that you're here. If you're new to the show, go back and listen to some past episodes. Uh, we're coming up on 300. It's happening like in a few shows. So that's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to have a very, very special guest. Not that you're not special, Eric, but uh, this guy does about 30 million in, uh, in, in originations a year. I think that's pretty special. So we're going to have a surprise guest for you guys there. And uh, listen, be that lawyer, somebody who's confident, organized, and a skilled rainmaker. Take care, everybody. Be safe, be well, and we will talk again real soon. Thanks for listening to Be That Lawyer. Life-changing strategies and resources for growing a successful law practice. Visit Steve's website, fretson.com, for additional information and to stay up to date on the latest legal business development and marketing trends. For more information and important links about today's episode, check out today's show notes.